I just want to talk to you briefly tonight about um, a passage in the Bible um, that is in Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to read it for you, and it's called The Parable of the Lost Son, um, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 27. Um, you can follow along if you have a copy of the Bible in some form, or you can just listen. Jesus continued, um, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in that field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The story of the prodigal son, many of you will have heard it before and heard it talked about and preached about. But I've been thinking a lot this week about students. And it's probably for different reasons. Probably because um, both my kids are leaving for university this week. So I've got two children, and I took my son Isaac yesterday back to London for his fourth year where he's studying maths, and I'm taking my daughter Beth on Wednesday where she's a first year, and she's going to go study law. And so I've been thinking a lot about students because it kind of affects my family quite a lot at the moment. I've also seen, as I've driven around Plymouth, I've seen the signs up around the city um, with the different colored dots telling you if you're arriving in the city as a student with your mum or your dad or whoever, telling you where to go and, and directing you. So I've, as I've driven around, I've seen these signs everywhere, Plymouth University or Marjon, this way, this way, follow the yellow dot road and uh, you'll find out where you're supposed to go. And then the other morning, I was wandering around Sainsbury's, the supermarket, and I, uh, I saw a student, I saw a student, a young lad, with his mum and dad. And um, they were obviously doing that thing where they were doing the first shop together, where mum and dad were buying his groceries for him. And they were in the beans aisle, and they were discussing chili con carne recipes. 
And uh, so as I walk up with my trolley and I'm, I'm listening and watching this student arriving in the city, getting his first shop, I, I allowed myself a little knowing smile, having been there and done that. I remember taking Isaac, my son, uh, for the first time to London and walking around Asda for that first grocery shop. And um, I feel now, with hindsight, that he somewhat exploited my fragile emotional state as he loaded, <laughs> as he loaded the trolley <laughs> with industrial sacks of rice and potatoes and everything else he would need for the next three months. It was like one of those supermarket trolley dashes where he saw how much stuff he could get in his trolley in the shortest possible time at dad's expense. But I'm older now and I'm wiser and slightly more calloused and so when Beth goes, <laughs> she's getting a pot noodle and a can of beans. And then I've been thinking about you, dear students, as you arrive and um, in a strange new city, um, leaving home and family and uh, familiar church settings for those of you who come from a home church, uh, a church background. Um, and you've come to the great adventure of university life. And, and depending on your nature, I think, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or what kind of person you are, you probably feel um, somewhere on a, on a scale uh, tonight um, of either greatly excited and ready to party and make new friends or absolutely terrified and wanting to curl up and hide under your duvet. And uh, you will be somewhere along that scale. When I went to university a long time ago in Nottingham, I was probably more at the want to hide under the duvet end of the scale as I arrived at this strange city in this strange place with all these strange people in a new church and uh, didn't know anybody. It came from an established home church and setting. So I have been thinking about you and about students. I think my son Isaac, he was probably more at the, well, hey, let's party end of the scale. My dad's given me 50 kilograms of rice. I'm ready. You can go now, Dad. Goodbye. And um, I've been thinking about home as well and what home is and, and um, about major kind of life transitions because this is a major transition in your life, leaving home and moving away to a different city and starting your studies. And I think throughout life we go through some major changes, major transitions, we all do, whether we go to university or not, or whether we study or not, we all face times where there's major transitions. And this story I just read for you about a, 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 a guy that was far away from home is a story that is one of the best known stories in the Bible, but it's a story that Jesus told um, because he was responding to religious people who were questioning the company that he was keeping. And uh, people were having a go at Jesus and saying, he's hanging out with all these sinners. <laughs> if he knew who he was hanging out with, who is this Jesus, this Messiah, and why is he hanging out with these people? And, and he started to tell stories about lost people, the lost son, the lost coin. And, and uh, he, he started to highlight kind of the sense of lostness and the reason why he was reaching out to these kind of people. It's stories, this story centers around a young man who was a long way from home. And he'd grown up in a supportive family. 
He had a supportive mom and dad, and he had a wealthy family. He was well off. He had household servants, and uh, he had everything materially that you could want. But he had made some choices in life that took him away from his father's house and his family. He got his hands on some of his dad's money, and he just went for it. Anything he wanted, he went after it. And all of those restrictions of home life, they're suddenly gone. Having to get up at a certain time, having to work in the family business, having to go to church with mom and dad, having all, kind of all these needs and requirements. All of a sudden, they're gone and he can do whatever he likes. And now, life was all about him and only him. He could get up when he wanted, he could do what he wanted, when he wanted, with whom he wanted. And it felt good. It felt like freedom. And it felt um, quite amazing for him for a while. The booze flowed and all of these friends came out of the woodwork and it was party time. And he parted harder than a lot of people. But this lasted for a while, and then he noticed it started to feel a little hollow. It was the same old routine, actually. The music began to jar a little. The money started to dry up, as it often does when you're a student. And it took a bit more effort to feel the highs that he first felt. And the crowds started to thin out a little bit. And you can see in this story kind of the downward trajectory of him having left home and kind of got into bad company and um, feeling all of a sudden completely lost and that he's lost his way. He's made some bad choices and he ends up deep in the manure, literally in the pig manure. And he starts to feel this longing. It's actually an ache inside of him. He tries to ignore it and he tries to repress it, but it won't go away. And partly it's the physical hunger that he feels that even, even my dad's servants eat better than this. I, I, I'd eat these, this pig food if I could. It's, it's a longing like that, but it, it goes much deeper than that. It's a longing for home. He's longing for home. He wants to go home. And he starts to think seriously about returning home to his dad. And he sits having an imaginary conversation in his head, like we sometimes do, like you sometimes do, trying to map out this difficult conversation that he's going to have with his dad. And he, he rehearses the lines in his head, and he says, I am, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but if you would just let me work in your household, then that would be great. He wants to downgrade his relationship to his father because he knows he's messed up. He knows he's wasted his dad's money. He knows he's done wrong things. Is there any chance you could give me a job for a while? Is there any chance I could sleep in the servants' quarters? Anything is better than this, he thinks. He wants to go home. Now, I don't know if you can see yourself in this story at times. I know I can. And the Bible says actually about all of us. We've all, all of us have gone astray like sheep. Everyone has gone their own way. Everyone has messed up. You have a place, probably, that you remember as home. Maybe from where you've just come from. I was chatting to a few of you before the service. You've come from Birmingham. You've come from Somerset. You've come from Southampton. You've come from different parts of the country. You've come, some of you, from different parts of the world uh, to study here. And I don't know where you call home or where you think home is or what home is for you. I know I grew up in a village called Ainsworth, which is between Bury and Bolton in Lancashire. And it's quite, uh, probably four or five hours away from here. But I can still remember 
that place. It, it evokes home for me. I remember the house. I remember the bedroom where I used to share bunk beds with my brother, Stephen. I remember the bathroom where I used to hammer on the door to tell my sister, Deborah, to hurry up and get out. I remember the living room where my brother and I used to play football and smashed more ornaments than was good for the health and well-being of our backsides. I remember the garage where I used to watch my dad tinker endlessly with our, our old banger of a car that was always seemed to be broken. I remember the garden where I first built my first snowman. This was home. Now, to return to our story that Jesus was telling, remember why he's telling it. He's talking about people's relationship with God. He's describing people who had wandered from God, who had somehow lost a connection to God, people who were far from God. And he was describing a spiritual condition. And I believe that for everyone here today, there is a, a spiritual home that God wants every one of us to enjoy. That home is not a place. That home is a relationship. That home is where we are in relationship with God. Yes, I still feel a, sen a sense of nostalgia for the place that I grew up. I, I don't think that will ever go away. The village where I scraped my knees and played football with Daniel Sowerby against the garage door and where I punched Paul Kelly and nearly broke my thumb. Home is the story in this story, is not where the heart is, it's where the Father is. Home is in a relationship with God himself. You see, in life, you can't always stay in the same place. The place where you grew up. Your home church. <laughs> life and circumstances move on. And sometimes you find yourselves a long way from home like the prodigal son. But he had this relationship, this amazing relationship with his father, where his father embraced him and brought him back. For the lost son, home was much more than a house or possessions. Home was with his father. And all of his imaginary conversations, the deals he was going to cut with his dad, the justifications and the excuses... They got washed away in the strongest, all-encompassing bear hug that he had ever experienced and the tears of a father who would give anything to have his son back home. And this is what the psalmist said to express his relationship with God. In Psalm 73, he said, But I am in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made the Lord God my home. I've made the Lord God my home. Our spiritual home is first and foremost in relationship with God, our Father, and through his Son, Jesus. There is nothing to compare with a living, loving, ongoing relationship with the God who made us and who loves us and who has compassion on us to talk to him, to be able to talk to him, to hear his voice, to be filled with his Holy Spirit. This is what you were made for. This is your spiritual home. And this is what you can have wherever you are. Wherever you are, this is the most important thing. This is ultimately home. I was thinking about this on holiday recently. I was on the island of Crete a few weeks ago, and I was running 
and it was very hot, and I was perspiring somewhat, and I found myself trying to run in the shade of the olive trees, the walls, anything to get out of the sun, anything to get into the shelter. It was so hot as I was running along. And as I ran, I thought of the verse in the Bible, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The image in that picture is, is of someone so close to God in the heat of the noonday sun, that they find shelter, they find refuge in God himself, that God is like a refuge, God is like a shelter, God is like a shadow, God is somewhere that they can get so close to, that even though the sun is beaten down, they feel protected and safe. And then I thought of this message that I was going to share with you tonight, and the concept of home, and the fact that ultimately your home and my home is with God. And we can go anywhere, and God is there. Home is with your Father in the kingdom of God. And the psalmist says it like this, and this is a very meaningful psalm for me when I moved to Plymouth 25 years ago. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even in Britain's ocean city, Plymouth, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Back in the day, the presence of God was tied to a physical place. It was tied to a location. The people were told, build this tent, this tabernacle, and do it like this and build it according to this pattern. And this tent, this tabernacle of meeting represented the very presence of God. And whenever the people of God moved, the tabernacle moved with them and was packed up and taken by the priests and then put down again. And the priests would go in and meet with God. And later, that tabernacle became a temple. It was a temporary arrangement. And it became a temple, a fixed abode, where people would go for the presence of God. You would have to go to Jerusalem. You would have to go to the temple to meet with God. People would go in there on your behalf to meet with God for the presence of God. But this also was a temporary arrangement. And in John, we read that the word, Jesus, became flesh. And he made his home amongst us. He tabernacled amongst us. He dwelled amongst us. He came to be with us. But this was a temporary arrangement. And Jesus said, I'm not going to stay. I can't stay. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a home for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you there to be with me in the presence of my Father. But in the meantime, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. I'm going to leave a comforter with you somewhere that wherever you go, you will never be on your own. I will never leave you, Jesus said. I will never forsake you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be with you at all times And so the psalmist was right when he said, where can I go and flee from your presence? If I go on the far side of the sea, if I go to a foreign country, if I go away from my home and my my family and my church and my, my youth, if I go, wherever I go, you are there, God. 
And so we don't have to go to a tabernacle, but the tabernacle has come to us. We don't have to go to a temple. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is with us. And this is an amazing truth. God came to us, and, and Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will be with you always. To leave in the Greek is to cut free or untie. God says, I will never, ever cut you loose. I will never let you go. I will always be with you. And that presence of God is not tied to a tabernacle. And that presence of God is not tied to a temple. And that presence of God is not tied to a home church or to a family or to a favorite youth pastor or whoever has helped you most grow in your spiritual faith and walk with God. This kingdom of faith, it says in Ephesians 2 in the message version, this kingdom of faith is your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. The great news for us all this evening, whether you're a student or, or not, and whether this is your home city or not, the great news for every one of us is that home is ultimately where your father is. And your father is where you are by his Holy Spirit. And there is no place where you can go where he is not with you and where he is not in you. A relationship with God is our spiritual home. And you are most at home when you are with him, talking to him, walking with him, worshiping him with your brothers and your sisters. And that is the place of the church. I remember when I went to university, I went to Nottingham University, I arrived in my digs, in my hall of residence. I, um, I, this was before mobile phones. This was before the internet. Uh, I walked to the red phone box and somebody in my home church had given me the name and the number of a pastor who they were related to in Nottingham. So give him a call. I rang him the first week I was at university. I said, I've just arrived. Somebody gave me your name. Somebody gave me your number. He was called Pastor David Barrisford. And uh, I went to his church. And I made it my home. And uh, David now, for those of you who don't know, was a senior minister before me. I've worked here with him now for 25 years. And uh, he became my pastor. And I had some of the best years of my life in that church in Nottingham. And the, the great thing is, as Christians, that our brothers and sisters and our family, they're everywhere. Wherever you go, you can find your brothers and sisters who love Jesus like you do. And to demonstrate this importance of the church that Josh was talking about tonight, as you're on a church surf, many of you, is a story that I've told here a number of times by a writer called Anne Lamott. And she wrote a book called Traveling Mercies. And Anne Lamott was a bit of a wayward character. But in her book, Traveling Mercies, she tells the story that her pastor once told a time when her best friend got lost as a little girl. And the little girl ran up and down the streets of the big town where they lived but she couldn't find a single landmark and she started to cry. She was lost. 
She was lost. She was far away from home. She didn't know where she was. So she ran up and down. She was frightened. And finally, a policeman stopped to help her. He put her in the passenger seat of his car. And he drove around the town until finally she saw the steeple of her church. And she said to the policeman, she pointed to the church and she said, she said, you can let me out now. This is my church and I can always find my way home from here. And Anne Lamott in her writing picks up on this metaphor and she says, that's why I have stayed so close to mine. Because no matter how bad I'm feeling, how lost or lonely or frightened, when I see the faces of the people of my church and hear their tawny voices, I can always find my way home. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life, and I am back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So I want to say this evening, I want to say welcome home. And as Josh said, and we emphasize it every time on the student surf, we really don't mind if you make this your home. We do really mind that you make a church your home, that you establish yourself in the family of God here in Plymouth while you're here. So I would say to you, welcome home. God is with you. God will be with you during this time of your life. God will never leave you or forsake you. It is the truth. So stay close to your father. Embrace him and let him embrace you. And stay close to your spiritual family, your brothers and sisters, and then you will always find your way home. So wherever you are on that scale, whether you are, hey, I'm free and I'm ready to party, or whether you're feeling slightly nervous and anxious and frightened and unsettled, whether you're missing people from home or your home church, or whether you just feel great and ready to go, wherever you are on that, God knows, God understands, God knows who you are. But I, I believe that you have some great times ahead of you and that you are in the place that God meant you to be. And then even here on the far side of the sea, God's hand will lead you and guide you. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray for you, every one of you, and I'm going to pray uh, for you to find this sense of home in God. And for those of you who are yet to leave, those of, of our home church who are heading off outwards to other places, the, the same applies to you, the same applies for you. And for all of us who are in times of transition and change, ultimately God, God, our Father, is our home and he's ready to embrace us. Shall we pray as we close out? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you that we know that you would never leave us or forsake us. That there is no place that we can go from your presence. God, that you will lead us and guide us on the far side of the sea. And God, at major times in our life where we face transition, where we are far from home, we feel a longing in many ways for that closeness and proximity to our Father. I pray, God, that we'll never lose that and that we will stay close to you, that we will receive your embrace, receive that, those robes placed around our shoulders, the sandals placed on our feet, the ring on our finger. 
God, that we would experience the fattened calf, the party, the celebration, the blessing of Almighty God on our lives. I pray, God, that um, for these uh, dear students, Lord, as they've arrived in this city, I pray, God, that as they surf the churches and look for a new spiritual home, that you will help them to bed down and to be part of a wider community and to know that they are not far from home when they are with the people of God. So I pray that as they travel around and find their flavor of church and, and uh, meet one another and join the Christian union and, and make friends at university, I pray that you'll help them to settle in and settle down. I pray if any of them tonight are missing home or feeling lost or unsettled, God, that you will give them a sense of your presence and your comfort and to know that you are with them and to know that you are guiding them and to know that all will be well. So, Father, I pray that you will bless every one of us, God, tonight and through times of transition and change for every one of us that you would lead us and guide us. And, Lord, we thank you that in you and in your people and in your church we have found our spiritual home. Help us to grow in that relationship with you in this season and to grow in our connection with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.